the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. If you read what is taking place in Canada and are not stunned, shocked, flabbergasted, your priorities are disoriented and inverted, and your moral compass is wrongly directed. Justin Trudeau is now taking not only to seizing assets for a political belief energized by peaceful civil disobedience, he is denouncing truckers as racist. As for using racism as a political weapon and plastering that word on everything you just don't like as a synecdoche for political disagreement, see yesterday's monologue. Happy to go through it again, of course, if you want. But has the West and North America totally lost its mind and now going after the personal assets of those who engage in civil disobedience? What happened to arresting them or citing them with a fine for breach of the peace? Perhaps there are not enough police. The chief of police of Ottawa just resigned. Or perhaps there are not enough police who would go along with such a thing. So the easier thing to do is by fiat, fiat without any due process or process at all, engage in seizure. That way you don't have to justify your actions in court. You don't have to defend the lawfulness of what you are doing as the state. Deal with any such fallout later. And how much easier to deal with it when the defendants have been deprived their access to the resources necessary to defend themselves legally. It's not as if conservatives get this osmotically or even at all. Rich Lowry, for example, has this impossibly stupid sentence in his column this morning, quote, the right is doing the opposite and sees blue collar virtue in the truckers to whom it once would have felt no natural connection, close quote. The right has no natural connection to truckers? Is he kidding? Rich has always had a blind spot to talk radio, but anyone who knows this genre of communication knows truckers, and knows truckers are hardly unnatural allies and contributors to a great deal of what we do, stand for, think, and believe. There are a ton of reasons for this. Part of it is they see the world unlike most because, well, they actually see the world. Another part is truckers are preternaturally inquisitive and curious, listening to podcasts and radio and each other all day long. They are among the most well-educated part of any population. They are as much a natural part of our cause as, I don't know, country music. How did George Strait put it? Diamonds on the windshield as heaven starts to cry. In his rearview mirror, his angel waves goodbye. She knows he's got to go. She knows he's one of them. Brothers of the highway, children of the wind. That Detroit diesel pirate ship goes blowing out again, sailing for the setting sun. Freedom's your best friend. Brothers of the highway, children of the wind. Freedom's your best friend, children of the wind. That truckers are an 
are an animating force of Trudeau's ire should not be ignored. Let's kick the truckers. That's the instinct of a leftist, not a conservative. Now, the other part of this is what the hell happened to the notion of civil disobedience and attend to that. What happened to the notion of what law is in the first place? Let's start with what the law is supposed to be anywhere. At its most basic level, it has to make sense. It can't be a caprice, nonsensical, attached to no rational affect or effect. We know this in civil rights law as the most low level of analysis in a civil rights case is the requirement that whatever law is being challenged must have, as the courts have explained for decades, a rational basis. In other words, the irrational and arbitrary are forbidden. This itself attaches to the notion of civil disobedience. We can start with the Bible on this if we want. As Isaiah put it, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. Unjust laws. You look at that requirement Justin Trudeau is mandating on truckers, and it is just that, an oppressive decree that truckers, regardless of anything else, must inject something into their arm they don't want if they cross the border. Again, regardless of natural immunity, regardless of anything else. And this, within a profession one can hardly think of, that is more unitary and less likely to involve anything close to community spread or transmission. And this point, as if a vaccine prevents such a thing, just ask Jen Psaki or anyone else fully vaccinated who only goes into rooms with masks and others fully vaccinated and still gets COVID. And if safety is the issue, well, why not ban trucking? There are more trucking accidents per year than COVID deaths, after all. And this in a profession where its practitioners are better trained and conditioned and mandated to safety than most others. Maybe that's what offends so much. Life is not perfectly safe, and yet we live and accept that rather than shut down its essentials for a disease with a 98.8 survival rate if you get it. But if the Bible's incantation of unjust laws is a little too, shall we say, parochial, what about the entirety of Western civilization that came out of it? What of Plato? What of Aristotle? What of Montesquieu? What of, for goodness sakes, Henry David Thoreau? And what of Martin Luther King Jr.? Do they still teach Thoreau? Or for that matter, King in our schools today? Thoreau put it this way, quote, Why has every man a conscience? I think that we should be men first and subjects afterward. It is not desirable to cultivate a respect for the law so much as for the right thing to do. The only obligation which I have a right to assume is to do at any time what I think right. It is truly enough said that a corporation has no conscience, but a corporation of conscientious men is a corporation with a conscience. Law never made men a whit more just, and by means of their respect for it, even the well-disposed are daily made the agents of injustice under bad law. A common and natural result of an undue respect for law is that you may see a file of soldiers, colonel, captain, corporal, private, and all, marching in admirable order over hill and dale to the wars against their wills, against their common sense and consciences, which makes it very steep marching indeed and produces a palpitation of the heart. They have no doubt that it is a damnable business in which they are concerned. They are all, after all, peaceably inclined. Now, what are they? Men at all? Or small, 
movable forts and magazines at the service of some unscrupulous man in power, close quote. Are we still men? Which is to ask, are we still humans with consciences and abilities to think? That is what engenders respect for the law in the first place when the law is in concert with our consciences consciences, and this notion, this odd thing we all used to call justice. Augustine put it that a law that is unjust is no law at all. This is the teaching seized upon by Martin Luther King Jr., whom we celebrate annually, but I don't know if we actually read him or study him annually or ever. How did he put it in his famous letter from a Birmingham jail? Precisely as I have. Here's what he wrote. Quote, one may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws, just and unjust. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I agree, after all, with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. Now, what is the difference between the two? How does one determine whether a law is just or unjust? A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. To put it in the terms of St. Thomas Aquinas, an unjust law is a human law that is not rooted in internal law and natural law. Any law that uplifts humanity is just. Any law that degrades humanity is unjust, close quote. Aristotle put it that, quote, true forms of government will of necessity have just laws and perverted forms of government will have unjust laws, close quote. What ha we have been watching and obeying for far too long are a series of unjust laws that speak to, using Aristotle's language, a perverted form of government. Interesting word, perverted, coming from the Latin, meaning to distort natural order, to misdirect, to misapply, or my favorite, to lead someone from right to wrong. Immanuel Kant, in understanding Aristotle's description of the polis, or the political community, would write that all of the moral principles governing our lives may be drawn from the very idea of a rational being as such. There's that odd thing again, rational basis or rational being, or just quite simply that for a regime to be respected and to maintain its own existence, laws have to make sense. Used to be we thought King a hero for saying things just like that to his fellow pastors and the rest of the world. I'm not conflating civil rights based on race to COVID restrictions. Justin Trudeau is, but the principle behind civil disobedience is the same. We are not, per Thoreau, merely machines, and we should not be treated as such with regulations that go to the very sovereignty of our personal bodies and health decisions. The idea that if you do not do what the state wants when it comes to your body and an injection into it, you will lose your ability to earn or make a living well, you know what? That has a pedigree, too. Just not a very good one. You have to be a member of the party, the party capital P, to work in places like the Soviet Union or China. Who thought that would be the place, the case in Canada or the United States? Well, Joe Biden thought it could be the case here and tried to make it the case here. 
the U.S. Supreme Court, thank God, thought differently. Finally, yes, the use of race and invocation of it by Justin Trudeau. Jamil Javani, a black man and Canadian author, writes this, quote, We have no reason to believe the majority of truckers in the convoy are racists. In fact, appropriate for the month of February, the trucker convoy is actually a black history moment. Countless trucker convoy participants and supporters are black. A popular Instagram account called POC for Dem Convoy, shorthand for People of Color for Freedom Convoy, with over 60,000 followers, has documented the outpouring of support that the trucker convoy received from members of black communities across Canada. The account's first post is a picture of Chancelline Rocundo that reads, I am Burundian, Canadian, and I support the Freedom Convoy 2022. He goes on, quote, Black people in the trucker convoy or supporting it might be a surprise to some if they're getting their news from Canada's liberal media, but it actually makes a lot of sense. The trucker convoy is primarily a response to vaccine mandates being imposed on working and middle class Canadians. The vaccine mandates have hurt black families more than almost any other group in the country. Black communities in Canada, as in the United States, are disproportionately unvaccinated. Of course, black men and women would want the mandates to end and support a protest movement with such demands. Black Lives Matter itself joined an anti-mandate protest in the U.S. Christian blogger and Convoy supporter Samuel Say, a popular black Canadian writer, explained how his experience being marginalized due to his vaccine status is a familiar experience for black people, writing, quote, Though our governments supposedly lament segregating black people in the past, they're threatening to disproportionately segregate us again through vaccine passports. Say also called out the hypocrisy of the woke left, quote, since critical race theorists have convinced our governments that racial disparities prove racial discrimination, shouldn't they believe vaccine passports are systematically racist? Close quote. That is a discussion worthy of any movement that believes anyone's life matters. But the, to the degree Canadians or anyone in the civilized world can see and live with, be okay with what the Trudeau government is doing, is the degree to which not just unjust laws will be tolerated, but the degree to which injustice will be tolerated. But once the intolerable becomes tolerable, we are indeed just machines. The left used to get that. I'm, glad, I'm really glad some of us still do. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios, 602-508-0960. There's Doug in Maricopa. Hi, Doug. Let's put him on hold. He's conducting other business. That's quite all right. I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a busy country, and we are grateful uh, anytime you have a little time for us, I have to do. I do have to uh, make mention of a sad loss uh, in our movement ideologically, and a sad loss for uh, the movement of the literate. Uh, P.J. O'Rourke has passed away. If you haven't heard that sad news, I haven't seen it a lot everywhere else. Um, many of you have heard me uh, quoting him. 
at uh, probably probably several times a year on uh, particularly his observances that he wrote about in Give War a Chance on the fall of the Berlin Wall. And we'll have uh, David Harsani uh, joining us a little later in the show. He was someone who considered P.G. O'Rourke uh, a mentor of his, um, and he'll join us. I did see that. Um, I did see that someone um, someone on on Twitter put forward uh, the dedication P.G. O'Rourke wrote in Give War a Chance, and it's classic P.J. Let me read it to you. This is, you know, authors often put a dedication in their books. This is PJ's uh, dedication in a book called Give War a Chance. Like many men of my generation, I had an opportunity to give war a chance, and I promptly chickened out. I went to my draft physician, excuse me, I went to my draft physical in 1970 with a doctor's letter about my history of drug abuse. The letter was four and a half pages long with three and a half pages devoted to listing the drugs I'd abused. I was shunted into the office of an Army psychiatrist who, at the end of a 45-minute interview with me, was pounding his desk and shouting, You're screwed up. You don't belong in the Army. He was certainly right on the first count and probably right on the second. Anyway, I didn't have to go. But that, of course, meant someone else had to go in my place. I would like to dedicate this book to that man. I hope you get back in one piece, fellow. I hope you are more used to your platoon mates than I would have been. I hope you're rich and happy now. And in 1971, when somebody punched me in the face for being a long-haired peace creep, I also kind of hope... That was you. Classic P.J. O'Rourke. And what a nice sentiment. When's the last time you saw anyone, by the way, who raised conscientious objector status or evasion of the draft uh, claims? When's the last time you ever heard one of them mention that meant someone else had to go in my place and what you were going to do about it morally or otherwise? Never. Never. P.J. Uh, was one of a kind. We'll go through some of his other writings. Uh, he earned it. He deserves it. We are a lesser country without him. We are a lesser movement without him. And here, too, the Honorable finds its due as uh, forever, whoever uh, in his uh, family or family of friends or just family of fans is in earshot. We extend our prayers and thanks for giving him a little chance on this earth to educate us. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 34 past the hour. We do our culture and economy update with the man who does it better than anyone else, John Dombrowski, who does better than anyone else at what he does. He is the Founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. His own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, how are you? What's the good word today? Well, it's a special day today. Oh, is there an anniversary I should... uh... Well, there's something to talk about. Okay. We've all heard of uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Yep. 
And if we go back, I believe they're, they're saying it was sometime around 1903 on February 15th, the first teddy bear. Oh, that he refused to shoot? That was the story I learned. There was a little bear cub on a hunting trip he refused to shoot, and it became known as a teddy bear. Well, yeah, they talked about that. It could have been a bigger bear and maybe a teddy, you know, a small bear. But, yes, there's, <laughs> there's some history back It wasn't there a Paddington it. bear. He wasn't in Peru. Let's just agree no, on that. No, Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. But, anyway, so oh, te- we've all had one in our life during our life. It's, it's interesting. You know, there's a few things people may not realize go back to Teddy Rose, touch back to Teddy Roosevelt, the teddy bear being one of them. Um, the Maxwell House coffee slogan good to the last drop did you know he invented that he came up with that i did not yeah 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 teddy roosevelt reaches us in a lot of different ways anyway jd the markets did a big recovery it looks like today they sure did and it's odd right because given the turmoil going on in the world never mind what's happening in canada you have the russia ukraine thing which is not getting colder but hotter it's a little surprising it's interesting because this is really why the markets turned around this right, morning. It was, right. was on the news that possibly um, there could be a little bit of a pullback from Russia yeah. on this, this potential invasion. Okay. But uh, if that's true, um, then obviously that's going to be a positive. We also saw oil prices falling because of that, because of the fear of uh, the issue about the supply and demand on oil. If Russia did invade, that there could be some type of a a pinch on oil here, uh, but it looks like, uh, at least for today, mm-hmm. uh, that Russia may not be invading at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. tomorrow, Okay, as okay. we've been told. Yeah. Isn't it interesting it, how we know the exact hour? Well, well yeah, right. It, it's, it, it's odd, and the president of Ukraine actually gave the day um, on a national broadcast. That yeah. was odd, a lot odd. Uh, with it. Um, and 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 I, you know, part of, part of me says, follow the money, follow what the markets are thinking. And maybe right. maybe there, you know, something that we don't or have access well, to intelligence yeah. that we don't. And interestingly enough, as well, Seth, too, we did come out with some inflationary numbers right. this morning, which which, again, uh, show that we're not peak. We haven't peaked yet. Yeah. Now, maybe this this will be the peak uh, The report we got today. But as of right now, we haven't peaked on uh, the inflationary numbers. And so looking uh, forward, uh, the markets, even with that hot inflationary number today, uh, the news out of, uh, you know, from the, uh, the, the lines of Russia uh, look like uh, positive for the market. So it looks like that percent, that half a percent possibly of an increase, the rate increase that the Fed may give us is probably already priced into this market. Well, I'm hoping that the markets uh, outside of the – I'm hoping that the markets understand and, and are seeing things better than than the Fed in this sense. There's this piece in the Wall Street Journal today you may or may not have seen. The headline itself tells you what the article is about. The Fed missed inflation. Can Jay Powell tame it without causing a recession? They missed right. it. They were engaged in policies here assuming no inflation, right? They just wanted to put money into the economy because of the shutdowns, lockdowns, and, and unemployment situation. And as I say, they got this this wrong. The problem really is is inflation, not any more unemployment. Well, and the other concern is going to be is, is this is this going to be you know as the term terminology that was used often was uh, transitory, right? Uh, at this point, they've it dropped it. Look like yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've dropped yeah. it. Yes, yeah. So I think they realize where they're at right now. It looks like uh, most of the the uh, the Fed uh, 
board members are, are all basically touting that there needs to be an increase and in sooner than later and possibly as high as a, a half a percentage point uh, in March. And if that's the case, uh, I think the market is ready for that. Now, if they uh, tighten even further, well, then the market may have a little bit of a hiccup because of that. But as of right now, the expected number is about a half a percent. Half a percent. Okay. Thank yeah. you, J.D. Well done, sir. Well done, as always. Securities and Advisory Services, Office of Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Chipping and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, not affiliated. Uh, check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment right there. I love that Teddy Roosevelt thing, too, JD. I love that yeah. stuff. Thank you for doing that as well. I think he was one of the youngest presidents, too. I think he was the, yeah, he might hold the record for being the, yes, youngest president. JFK, 42 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Succeeded uh, to the presidency upon McKinley's. Uh, yeah. Assassination. All right, JD. We'll All talk right. to you tomorrow. tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> I can relate to that in theory. I haven't been sick in a long time. I attribute it to balance of nature. You've uh, heard me talk about balance of nature. I am delighted to promote it on this show because they promote you and it promotes. Good health. How could it not? A blend of 15 whole vegetables and 16 whole fruits. All natural, all the good, potent, powerful stuff. Papayas, bananas, wild blueberries, strawberries. That's just a part of what they offer on the fruit side. Uh, They have broccoli and green cabbage and celery. They give you soybeans and carrots and garlic on the veggie side and just part of what you get on the veggie side. Go to Balance of Nature. They're just vegetarian capsules you swallow. If you don't like swallowing capsules, you can open it up and sprinkle it on, I don't care, anything or even put it in a drink. And um, if you ever need a little bit of an extra pick-me-up in the afternoon, Balance of Nature is there for you too with those fruits and veggies that pick you right up because you can't overdose on them. I love the product and they love us. They love us and they support us. So if you're looking for some kind of whole food or healthy supplement and you have a range of choices, choose the one that Chooses you. Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's discount code BALANCE. Doug's in Maricopa. We'll give him another shot there. How are you, Doug? Uh, My wife was in Sheboygan. I was uh, up in... I think think he's conducting other business, Bill. Maybe you want to talk to him. (laughs) I'd love to have Doug back on. It's one of our our, uh, uh, great and... uh, and uh, and and close uh, contributors and listeners, uh, so that that would be um, great if you can you can talk to him maybe uh, offline there. Um, th- th- thinking a little bit about some of the stuff John Dabrowski and I were talking about a few moments ago, the Fed, which basically has a couple of jobs and not more, uh, they missed one of the big ones. They missed inflation. They didn't see it coming. Then when it came, they said it would be transitory. And it came, and it's not transitory. That might be a pretty good template for what's going on with the rest of the administration. Here's what the folks at Issues and Insights are telling us. Turn back the clock a year. President Joe Biden, weeks after taking office, was pitching his American rescue plan, saying, quote, it's big and it's bold, and it's a real answer to the crisis we're in, close quote. Biden promised that the $2 trillion spending spree would Quote, generate more growth, higher incomes, a stronger economy, and our nation's finances will be in a stronger position, close quote. He said we'd be at full employment by the beginning 
of next year. That would be now. Close quote. Here it is. Next year. And nothing Biden promised has come to pass. By most measures, in fact, we are worse off than we were before Biden rescued us and spent that $2 trillion. The economy is growing more slowly than expected. Incomes are being eaten up by rising inflation. Optimism is below where it was during the height of the pandemic in 2020. The nation's finances are in far worse shape with the national debt up $1.8 trillion since Biden took office. We're still nearly 3 million jobs shy of the previous peak. Oh, and COVID deaths under Biden now top 433,000. More deaths than happened while Donald Trump was president. Let's go to some of the specifics. Let's start with inflation. The year-over-year inflation rate in January was 7.5%. A year ago, it was 1.4%. For the second half of 2021, prices jumped 6%, a rate higher than any year since Jimmy Carter's stagflation gripped the nation. This is definitely making people worse off than last year. An analysis by Moody's Analytics, the same outfit that praised Biden's rescue plan a year ago, finds that inflation is costing households an average of $250 a month. Is that is that helping the working man? You know, Joe Biden loves to talk about his, um, you know, his Pennsylvania, Delaware, lunch pail Joe, he likes to call himself or likes to say people call him, but he's really the only one who calls himself that. Blue collar Joe, lunch pail Joe, working class Joe. These are all names he's given himself. I can see why no one else has given them to him. It ain't true. What working class family do you know has $250 a month around to spare? Wages and disposable income are down. Biden keeps claiming that wages are climbing, but inflation is climbing faster. That's the problem. As a result, after adjusting for the rise in prices, average weekly wages are down 3% from a year ago. 3%. So is disposable income. Data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis shows that real household disposable income was lower in December 2021 than it was at the start of the year. And back down to where it was in November of 2020. The misery index is up. Do you remember the misery index? When Biden took office, the misery index, it adds unemployment and inflation together. When he took office, it was 7.7% and falling. It peaked at 15% or at 15 in April of 2020 after the COVID lockdowns threw millions of people out of work. But instead of continuing to head back down to the 5.8% level it was before COVID, the misery index has climbed under Biden. It's now 10.9 with increases in inflation swamping the decline in unemployment. Consumer confidence is down. The University of Michigan's index of consumer sentiment has been nosediving since last spring. And this month it hit a low not seen since 2011 when Joe Biden was vice president. As the University of Michigan put it, quote, sentiment continued its downward descent, reaching its worst level in a decade, falling a stunning 8.2% from last month and 19.7% from last February. The Investors Business Daily poll of economic optimism dropped to 44 in February. If it's under 50, it's considered pessimistic. It was 51.9 a year ago. The poll also found that personal financial stress is higher now 
than when Biden took office. And finally, dissatisfaction is up. An ongoing Gallup survey finds that nearly two-thirds of the public are dissatisfied with the state of the nation, up from 55% in January 2021. The year before that, under Donald Trump, do you know what that number was? 29%. 29% at the beginning of Trump's last year in office said they were dissatisfied. Today, 55% say they are. It's a fairly remarkable list of failures in just one year. And unless there's a dramatic change, of course, I don't see, we don't see it brightening over the next, what, 36 months? When Ronald Reagan was running against Jimmy Carter in 1980, he asked America, are you better off than you were four years ago? That was the question, I believe, in his final debate. That's how he closed the second debate. The answer was a resounding no. It's unfortunate that the public will have to suffer three more years of Biden's ineptitude before it can deliver to answer that question. There is, however, one way we are all better off than we were a year ago. We have one less year of Joe Biden in office. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Let's try Doug one more time. Doug, how are you, sir? You there? <laughs> yeah, I am. Instead of putting you on mute, I um, got talking to some older gentlemen passing by, and I totally uh, didn't do you of any service. I oh, it was fine. I, we, you know, we covered yeah. for you. It was fine. I said it's a busy country, and we're <laughs> glad to have anyone's time who breaks their daily routine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, quick thing. I uh, kind of wanted to um, bring up. Uh, a little bit of history to kind of add to what I, the theme, I, I, I think we really need to think about it. That is uh, strategy, because I don't think most of our people on our side, uh, in the conservative side, disagree too much in terms of policy. We're, you know, all moderately close, moderately. And I, one of the things I, I was thinking about recently is that there's always been historically one uh, whenever there's a new war um, there's always been tremendous catastrophes based on the fact that the uh, military geniuses of the present day end up fighting the present war in, under the present conditions with the rules of the last war and it usually leads to great disaster and uh, they have to reevaluate and rethink how they do this. And the same goes for Ronald Reagan, who everybody thought was a shallow cowboy. But if you read uh, a number of his writings, he was writing very extensively about every subject uh, for the decade or more before becoming president. Uh, but no, the liberals, of course, and the establishment Republicans who um, opposed his version of the Republican Party, of course, never took to reading his writings. Um, because the Cold War with Russia had a particular strategy, and it was fought under a very, um, you know, what Reagan thought was very badly, um, and it was done by all the very highly educated, 
very soft-spoken, because that seems to be a very important thing to Republicans, a very soft-spoken, <laughs> congenial, congenial thing. Yeah. Okay, that's more important than winning. Yep. Better to lose or governing right, Lee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. governing better to lose. With You're onto something big, is. Doug. Let me do this with you. Let me do a little choreography. Let me now take the opportunity to uh, ask you your indulgence because we're hitting the top of the hour break. I have a quick guest sure. coming on to uh, sure. talk a little bit about PGO work. Would you mind calling back in like 20 minutes or so? Or I, I'm happy to keep you on hold if you want, but you probably don't want. In either event, would you pursue this with me in about 20 minutes? It's a great – I think you're getting into a direction I'd love to go. Okay. No, I'll, I'll Can I beg in your there. indulgence on that? Oh, absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. Give us a call in about 20 minutes or so or continue to hold. Uh, David Harsani coming right up. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 